Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome to the Battleground podcast. I'm Nick Cater, senior fellow at the Menzies Research Centre and economist with The Australian. I'm here in the ADH podcast studio in Sydney to talk to Stephen Schwartz, the author of a new paper provocatively entitled Degree inflation undermining the value of higher education it's published by our friends at the center for independent studies stephen joins me from the other side of the country from western australia welcome stephen oh great to be here nick uh stephen your paper touches on something that's been bothering me for quite a while uh, the risk of overexposure to university both for individual students and the risks for Australia more broadly. Uh, You make the comparison in your paper that it's a bit like sunlight, you know, just because something is good doesn't mean that more is better. And sunlight's essential for the body to produce vitamin D, but excessive exposure, of course, leads to skin damage and cancer. That's basically your thesis, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with higher education. It's a good thing in theory, but we're just spending too much time in that zone right now. Uh, yes, basically, I, I should agree with you and start from the very beginning. My premise is that higher education is a good thing. Um, my wife and I were the first in our families to go to university, and pretty much every opportunity we've had in life has come from that. Um, but because something is good doesn't necessarily mean more of it is better. We're in a position now where we're suffering from what I call degree inflation. Um, And it's a similar effect to monetary inflation. The more dollars you print, the less each one is worth. The same thing happens to be true of degrees. The more degrees you print, the less they're worth. When everybody has a degree, well, they won't be worth anything at all. We're already beginning to see that. One degree is not enough for a job. We now need to have a master's degree. Master's degrees are even more expensive than undergraduate degrees. A lot of money is being allocated here, and whether it's being allocated wisely um, is debatable. Mm-hmm. Well, look, it's often called, I think, credentialism. You know, this uh, imperative to get more and more credentials on your CV to be the next person who's only got one fewer than you. But we should just start actually by outlining your credentials, Stephen, so that people realise that you're somebody who knows what they're talking about in this field. You were born in New York. You can completed a postgraduate uh, work at Syracuse University, then began an ap- academic career which took you to the University of Illinois, University of Texas, University of Western Australia, University of Queensland, and you served as Vice-Chancellor at three universities, Murdoch University, Brunel in London, and Macquarie University here in Sydney. So you've, you had a career in which you really thrived in that sector. 
receiving fellowships, numerous scholarly grants, prizes, research grants, etc. But um, at the same time, you must have been conscious while you were in the sector that things were not going according to plan. What were, you know, when did you first become, begin to think that too much education might be too much? Well, actually, it, it's a fairly recent thing. Um, if you recall, back not even 10 years, universities were still pretty much uh, for people who had academic interests and academic inclinations. Uh, there's been a massive growth in Australian universities over the last decade. Um, almost 700 or more than actually 700,000 additional students. It's now a very, very common um, kind of requirement for pretty much every job. Jobs that formerly didn't even require higher education are now insisting on degrees, maybe even more than one. And I started to worry about really social mobility and the opportunities that are now being denied those who, for one reason or another, aren't able to avail themselves of formal education. Maybe they're ill or poor or um, family background or, or something or other kept them out of university. That's now keeping them out of jobs, jobs that formerly they would have had. Um, this is bad for social mobility, it's bad for the country, and it's bad for those students as well. Well, I can give you a, an example from my own, well, my previous field of career, journalism. Uh, that, um, you know, there was a time when it, it would be very unusual for somebody to enter journalism with a university degree. Normally they would uh, complete year 12, uh, join a, uh, one of the big newspaper companies, go through essentially an apprenticeship, a four-year four year cadetship in which they'd have to type in the shipping news and all that sort of stuff. It was a craft rather than a profession. And I think journalism changed quite dramatically when it became a profession and that was to a large part due, due to its academic uh, academic academification can i say that but suddenly you needed a, a degree in journalism or communications to get into university it became a much less practical job and i think journalism is not the only field in which that's occurred would i be right i think it's occurring in every field nick and um, sometimes dramatically. There's a Harvard University study, very recent one, that looked at degree inflation in a, a variety of different professions and courses uh, and, and uh, jobs. One of the ones that they looked at was a job called production supervisor. It's a common job in factories and various others, places where they make things. And 67% of the people who are currently working in that job didn't have degrees but 100% of the advertisements for new positions in that job required degrees. What are you supposed to make of that? Are those 67% of people doing it badly? Are they poor at their job? Well, the answer is no, as far as anyone can tell, they're doing it very well. And yet now a degree is required. Um, and for those people who can't get that degree for various reasons, they're frozen out of that job. Um, it's it's ironic, but it's also quite sad to see that's happening. Yeah, the, the the other thing you you draw attention to in your report, of course, is what happens to vocational education and training, or uh, you know, getting a trade skill, I suppose, in in more in more direct language. So that no lo that becomes almost a second class option when you 
every kid is encouraged to go to university because that's the epitome of success. Uh, but then, of course, you end up with a position we're in here in Australia right now where we're short of people with practical skills. And also, and this is true, I think, across most of the Western world, crucially, we, 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 we're very short of people who go into the caring professions, you know, jobs that are, 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 going, are really in high demand and will be in high demand as the population ages. It sort of skews people's choices and, and skews the workforce later on, doesn't it? It does indeed, and uh, I feel that we've really messed up vocational uh, training in Australia. Um, we messed it up in a number of ways. One is we highly subsidised students to go to university, while for years we didn't subsidise them to do BET. And so in many cases it was actually less expensive to go to university. And then we have the other issue which you alluded to, and that's the esteem in which university education is held as compared to vocational and, and training, which is held in somewhat lower esteem. It's a good idea for other people's children, but not for our children. We want them to go to university. You add up that and you get a very skewed educational environment. We've really downgraded VT and uh, to, our, to our cost and actually to the cost of the students who were fooled into going to university. Because, as you know, a good tradesman makes way more money than your average university graduate. You draw attention to uh, the rewards of going to university. In, in general terms, correct me if I'm wrong, it, you, would still, you are still generally better off if you go to university. You're likely to earn more um, in your subsequent profession. But my question is this, do you earn enough uh, to pay off the investment you've made in both time and, um, and money, you know, whatever you have to borrow to go to university? And secondly, is, is there any sense that as we get more and more graduates, that the, the, the difference between a non-graduate salary and a graduate salary is diminishing? Uh, yes, it is diminishing. The premium, as you call it, the graduate premium for going to university is getting smaller and has been getting smaller now for more than a decade. Uh, and that's con you know, only to be expected if we've got more and more degrees than I said earlier, the value of each one of those degrees starts to decrease. Um, a study specific to Australia looked at the lowest 20%, that is, people who have graduated from university but are in the lower end of the income bracket. And for most of those students, they would have been better off having gone directly to work from school than going on to higher education. If financial well-being is the only measure of what higher education is for, then there are about 20%, even now, uh, of students who would be better off financially having gone directly to work. And let me draw attention to another uh, looming or, or growing issue that I see which is not talked about much and that is the problem of home for family formation so if you're spending longer in university I mean it's not unusual is it to meet somebody now in in their late 20s who's only just finished university after doing you know 25 degrees or something uh, just about to start out seriously in the workplace now there are problems there of course because they've missed out on the serious earnings they might have made in their 20s they've also accumulated 
substantial hex decks. And so they're, they're in a position in the late 20s where they're nowhere near able to even think about putting a deposit on a home or or whatever. And that pushes out family formation for those people who want to form a family. And we end up with the situation we've got now where you've got an increasing number of people who are single at the age of 35. And I think that education is, is there are many reasons why that might be, but I think education is definitely play, playing a part in that. Would you like to comment? Yeah, um, it, hasn't something I, it isn't something I've given some thought to, but now that you bring it up, um, there's a whole lot of changes in society going around family formation. Uh, and I would imagine that education is one of them and feeds into them because of its importance in getting jobs. It's related to the question you asked earlier. Um, if you, Do you make more money by going to university? Well, you do because many jobs are reserved only for people who go to university. And so if that's a requirement, then you can see why they might have a a better chance of making more money. But to get that extra money, they have to spend a lot more time studying, which pushes back growing up, as, as you'd say, and pushes, uh, pushes forward in their life the kind of activities that would have taken place at a younger age in previous generations. And one of the offshot of that, which has got reverberations throughout society, is there are fewer children. Um, as you get older, it's harder to have a bigger family. Australia is only really barely replacing itself. It's ahead of some European countries and others where essentially they are going to vanish if they don't start having children. We're moving in that same direction. When you talk to employers, as I do, you know, it's not, not uncommon to hear them say, well, look, they, to complain that people are coming from university uh, with, without complete skills so they come not ready for the job in fact barely ready for the job and part of the part of the uh, time uh, starting a new career is actually learning how to do it in a way you'd hope they'd learn at university so you hear that on the one hand and yet employers still will favor university graduates often because just it's a simple sign that somebody is able to apply themselves over a over a extended period in order to get a degree so can we think of any better, are there any better ways we can do to sort of give a quality assurance to employers that, that candidate X is a very good employee other, other than expecting them to spend four years working on a degree that's probably not much use to them? Oh, well, there must be a better way of doing it because it's, it's the signalling, which is um, what you're referring to, is indeed what most employers are looking for. It is a signal that doesn't really say that they have these applicants have learned something directly relevant to the position for which they're applying. It does save them some signal that they're willing to stick things out and uh, maybe they have a good tolerance for hard work. Maybe in some cases they have good tolerance for boredom, but they are, they are using it for that purpose. What I believe is that many people who have experience, that is direct real world experience, um, could possibly do the same job, maybe do it better. And it's really important to try to get employers to think in that same direction uh, and to do a little bit more work in evaluating people. Do you have the experience? Have you got the skills? Do you really need that piece of paper? Is that piece of paper even going to ensure that you're a better employee? Um, I think most employers would be interested in doing it. Maybe now that it's harder to find staff, more employers actually are doing that. 
Um, and so, certainly the one that, uh, the event of recent event that really opened my eyes was a new governor in the American state of Pennsylvania, governor called Shapiro, who on his very first day in office eliminated university degrees as a requirement for all state government jobs other than jobs that require registration, such as doctors, for example. So everyone else, no degrees required. So what immediately what happens? He has a much bigger pool to choose from. He has a much fairer pool to choose from. If we're interested in all the things we hear about diversity, equity, inclusion, what better way to reach those goals than to eliminate these degrees as a requirement and instead rely on ability, experience, and skills. He's in one fell, in one fell swoop. He's made the system fairer. I've, you sense too that there's a great feeling of disappointment from uh, undergraduates and people who have recently graduated that they're not getting what they expected out of university. It's a very sort of subprime experience for them. There's um, a paper you you uh, cite in your in your paper by um, uh, Michael Craig Corliss of University of Canberra, which I thought had some quite frighteningly stark statistics in about unemployment so they've said well unemployment rates amongst bachelor graduates over 25 years of age and they've compared 2006 2016 just to give a few examples uh somebody with a society and culture degree uh, was 5.7 percent unemployment rate in 2016 in 2006 sorry and 9.6 percent unemployment 2016 i mean that's way above the general unemployment rate and that's not even the worst i was interested to see the information technology for instance 14.9 percent of graduates in 2016 were unemployed people are students students are entitled to come out feeling cheated aren't they if if then if they're unable to get into the career that they thought the university degree was going to fit them into particularly if that's what they were led to expect would happen. If universities are sold as a way of getting the very best and high paying jobs, then yes, your answer is right. But they're not the only ones who should be disappointed because remember, they leave university with a debt. And if they are unable to repay their debt because they can't find a job or can't find a job that pays enough, Someone else has to pay that debt. Now, who is that someone else? Well, it's you and me and everybody else in Australia, including the people who never get the opportunity to go to university. So we're looking here at what is a, a system that might be um, fairly unfair in that it is looking, it is taxing people who haven't benefited from university in order to subsidize those who have gone to university. If no one gets a job, then we're all paying for nothing. There's a kind of bums on seat mentality, isn't there? I mean, to put it crudely, that uh, universities uh, expand. They, they like it's like some Ponzi scheme. They're continually expanding. They want more students because that's more income for them. That uh, at some point, surely the university has to uh, take responsibility for ensuring that the people that it it admits to university um, are up 
to the task. I mean, I remember back, I was going to say back in my day, Stephen, but I'll try and avoid that. You know, in, 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 in an earlier era, people would talk about winning a place at university. I've won a place at university. Nobody talks about that now, do they? Because they just automatically assume that they'll get one. But surely we have to have greater quality control at that input stage. Universities need to be made more responsible for ensuring that the people that they allow in are up to the up to the job have the academic intellectual qualities to benefit from that degree oh, absolutely and um, not just legally but morally no one should be brought into a university with the expectation that they won't be able to complete and leave disappointed but still with the debt because remember the universities still keep the money whether you succeed or not, whether you get a job that repays or not, it could be possible to consider perhaps making universities partly responsible for student loans, kind of part guarantors of student loans that would possibly make them a little bit more circumspect about who they admit if at the end of the day they would have to pay back loans for those who didn't succeed. Yeah, this is a policy change that we've been looking at at the Mendes Research Centre, just floating it, um, that if universities, for instance, um, are, you know, say five years after somebody's graduated, they still haven't got a, a, a job in the career field in which they were supposed to, or alternatively, people who drop out of university don't even complete the course, then 50%, say, of that HETS debt the, should should go to the university. Universities should be liable for half of the debt. That would surely. Do you, I mean, you've worked in universities? Would that have the desired effect, perhaps, of putting more attention on quality control at the input stage? Well, certainly at the superficial level, it sounds right to me, um, because a thing called moral hazard, that uh, the uh, phrase that economists use, which is taking risks with other people's money. And that's what's going on at the moment. Um, and if you make the risks come home to the university, it may very well work. The only problem I can foresee is to make sure that there's no way to game that system. Um, because every time we bring in a new change, um, a lot of very bright people figure out how to game it. Um, so with that caveat of let's make sure that it works, it seems sensible to me. Um, there's also the other end of it. Um, students who go to university but who don't get a degree that um, um, pays them enough money to repay their loans just don't repay them. So again, the taxpayer is stuck at both ends. It, it's not only paying the bits that the university gets, but also the bits that the students don't repay. Uh, and that's equally difficult. Um, there's no real interest rate attached to the student loans in Australia. And we should think about there being a proper interest rate so that um, we don't have the regressive taxation system of people who don't go to university paying for those who do. Um, it's sort of like taxing beer to pay for champagne the way we've got it set up at the moment. Let's, um, let's talk about, uh, let me put to you a couple of a couple of reasons why people justify the expansion of higher education. First, they say that experience of higher education leads to social mobility. It leads you, enables you to get on and 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 get above your where you would otherwise be. Is is that was that true? And is it still true that it is a, a place, a very useful form 
a sort of stepping stone, if you like, of social mobility. It was indeed true. Uh, and it was true of many people. It's true of me. It's true of m many people indeed. But as you have more and more degrees, as the degrees inflate, it's less and less true. Uh, and there was OECD did a study of uh, social mobility and put Australia towards the bottom of social mobility within the OECD, which is a club for rich countries. So we are, we are gradually eroding that social mobility mechanism by essentially inflating it, just as we would erode the value of currency if we inflate that. A second argument people put is that by upskilling people at university, you increase productivity in the economy. This is the one I've got most problems with, largely because I can see no improvement in productivity in the economy in the last, say, 15 years, despite a massive increase in attendance at university. Surely that would disprove that point, would it not? Well, it does for me. Um, we've had an enormous increase in degrees, um, and we have hardly seen any change in productivity. So the argument that university education will drive the productivity development of the country has no evidence to prove it. There we go. Uh, so let's go on to your solutions, Stephen, and you, you helpfully list, I think, five at the end. Um, number one, where feasible, drop degree requirements for jobs. Uh, who, who's going to be the brave employer who steps in and says, all right, we're going to drop that degree requirement from now on? Well, politic, political courage is not all that common. I think since John Kennedy's famous Profiles in Courage book, the courage seems to have disappeared from politicians. But it's not entirely absent. I mentioned earlier in our conversation the governor of Pennsylvania who had on his very first day in office dropped degree requirements. He's not the only governor now. Of, uh, there are now several US governors who have done it. Some major employers are doing it as well. In Australia, because the government sector is so large and so many people work there, it would be a good place to start. And maybe there is a brave premier who might want to start that way or even prime minister. Um, but it would make a huge difference um, to, um, to the economy as a whole, but also to social mobility and to the, what we mean by fair, um, a fair opportunity to get forward in life. You know, equality of opportunity is a phrase we hear quite often, but fair equality of opportunity would mean everyone had the opportunity to go and live up to their own abilities and their own talents. I think that would be the easiest, quickest, and in many ways, the cheapest reform that we could think of. Uh, it's not that you'd be kept away from the job if you have a degree, it's just that you'd have a chance to apply for it even if you didn't. That would be a massive improvement. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, that governor of Pennsylvania had, um, in his very first day in office, eliminated degree requirements. And with that one stroke, what has he accomplished? He's turned what was before a rig game against anyone who hadn't been able to go to a formal education for one reason or another into a truly meritocratic game in which the people's experience, their talents, their abilities all counted equally. I don't think you can do anything that would help social mobility more than remove artificial requirements 
for jobs and allow people to compete on a more or less even playing field. Yeah, and, and we, we, of course, we, we often talk about diversity as being a very good thing these days. It helps there too, doesn't it? Because people who go through university, typically, and I'm making a broad brush statement here, but we all recognise the truth of this, they come out thinking in a very similar way about a lot of the problems in the world. Um, they tend to lead towards you know, more intellectual, theoretical, perhaps even woke um, solutions to the world's problems, where somebody's got a more practical disposition will think about a problem a different way. So surely it's good to have both, both types of people in, in the workforce. All types of people in the workforce. So di we, we always hear the phrase diversity, equity and inclusion. It always seems to me, um, bring people in to universities using quotas, make sure that the university reflects the percentages of different people out there, have them spend three years, run up a debt, spend a huge amount of money running the place. What if you could actually get diversity, equity and inclusion in the workforce by simply eliminating unnecessary degrees, bits of paper that aren't even related to the jobs, and judge people on their own accomplishments. People are individuals, they should be judged as individuals. Uh, you also suggest raising the esteem of vocational education. Uh, and I'm right behind this. Um, how do you do that? I mean, already isn't, you know, the, the, in a way there's a financial incentive for somebody to go and get a good trade like a plumber. You, you have a wonderful, tell us a joke about the neurosurgeon and the plumber that you've included in your, in your paper. It's about the neurosurgeon who had to stay home from work because the toilet was blocked. Uh, the plumber came, took 10 minutes, fixed the, fixed the, uh, the problem and then presented the neurosurgeon with a bill for 300 pounds. It was in, based in London, this one. And uh, the neurosurgeon looked at it and thought, oh, 300 pounds, 10 minutes, it's 1,800 pounds an hour. He said, I don't make 1,800 pounds an hour and I am a neurosurgeon. Plummer said, look, I know, I didn't make that much when I was a neurosurgeon either. <laughs> but how do we, it's deadly true, isn't it? But how do we, how do we actually said about in practical terms raising the esteem uh, or, or raising the the social esteem for people with practical skills well i thought maybe one possibility would be to actually amalgamate vet with higher education so that they became one level of education rather than two uh, and that would allow students to maybe pick and choose between the two um, and add vocational subjects into degrees and vice versa. Um, that wouldn't hurt anyone and might actually raise the esteem of, of vocational education. Uh, I used to be a Dean of Medicine a long time ago and there couldn't be a more vocational course than medicine. We're training doctors to go out and be doctors, but it wouldn't have hurt them to do a bit of literature, Nick. It wouldn't have hurt them to be a bit more understanding of how people feel. Uh, a bit of the, things other than strictly medical and medical science might have made them actually better at their jobs. So a combination is what I thought. Maybe move, removing the barriers and allowing the two to work together might raise the esteem of VET and actually improve the value of degrees at the same time. It might possibly move us back towards a more classical education, uh, do you think, in which you, you, you're you not narrowly specialised on one technical area, but you actually, 
you, 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 the purpose of university is broader than that. It's just to broaden your horizons, make you a better person, help you understand the, 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 the nicer things of Western civilization and so forth. That idea of education, which Robert Menzies used to talk about, and a lot of people of that era, the 50s did, is almost totally gone now, isn't it? But can we, can we recover that idea? I'm so glad you brought this up because this, this really has, for me, the most important implications of all. Menzies, of course, was a, a massive supporter of higher education and whose work did more to expand higher education than practically anyone in the history of the country. Um, and he himself said at the time he saw universities as a way of guaranteeing freedom, that education allowed free expression, free thought. This was a way that people remained free. He echoed in many ways Wentworth's comments many in the 19th century when the University of Sydney was established. That, that was the purpose of universities in those days wasn't to get you a job at the public service ticking a box. It was actually to build character, to build understanding, uh, to make people better citizens and can make the country a better place to live. God, if we could get back to that, Nick, we would be doing a great job for Australia. I think so. Stephen, thank you for your paper. It's most thought-provoking, and uh, I hope it has required uh, impact on thinking uh, that we would like it to do. And congratulations to the CIS, Tom Switzer and the team there for publish publishing this uh, this work. And uh, we'll be good. To, uh, thanks for joining us on Battleground. Be good to talk to you again someday. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Thanks, Stephen.